Good morning, Crossroads. Happy Father's Day. We thank you for joining us here this morning. For those of you who are watching online, we thank you for tuning in. If you're in the building this morning, would you please stand and worship with us?
Give an end. 
guys pray with me. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for that just beautiful song, Lord, just knowing that, God, that you, the Father, your love for us is so deep. And Lord, as we uh, celebrate the Father figures in our lives, Lord, we know that, um, God, you put men in our lives to lead us. Uh, God, but you are the ultimate, Lord. You are our Heavenly Father. You will never let us down. You will always be with us, Lord. You will love us even when we don't deserve it, God. So thank you for setting that example in our lives, Lord. And as we uh, celebrate our fathers, Lord, we celebrate you, Jesus, first and foremost. Lord, thank you for your love for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Morning, church. Happy Father's Day. You can have a seat. It's good to be with you. I'm glad you're all here. Enjoying this beautiful sunshine. I'm glad that you're joining us online. Happy Father's Day. Can we celebrate our fathers? Thank God for them this morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I'm just <laughs> hopefully you got that. But um, I'm just glad you guys are here. Happy Father's Day to, to you fathers in the house. To you fathers online, welcome. We're glad you're here and happy Father's Day. If we have any guests in the house, we're so glad that you're here. Either whether you're here in the building or online, we're thankful for you. Um, please stop by the Welcome Center if you are a guest here in the building this morning. And we want to just say thank you for being here. We have something for you just to connect with you. So please stop by the Welcome Center. Hey guys, it's Happy Father's Day here at Crossroads. Can we thank God for Ed and Denise Maxton outside making those breakfast sandwiches? It took me 10 years, but I still, I still I have just started around the bend of saying sandwiches correctly. Um, but I have, I have some good, good influencers in my life. But uh, anyway, we're just glad uh, for them and thankful for them, all that they're doing, and just making Father's Day just fun. That's what we love. It's just fun. You know, we just love celebrating our fathers and thanking God for the men in our lives, the leaders in our lives, thanking for them. Um, hey, I want to let you know we had our movie night on Friday. Can we throw up that picture real quick? So listen, this is an aerial shot of the movie night. Uh, we, we had a great crowd. It was, it was really fun. You know, it was great to connect with people and that screen. Can we thank God for the team? Tabby Ike. Tabby and her volunteer team, and, and if you served at that uh, movie night, thank you so much for coming up, helping out with the screen. And we had the rescue dogs, which were there up there. You can see kind of in the middle on the right. Uh, they, uh, those are uh, it's a hot dog food truck that benefits the Light of Life Rescue Mission uh, in Pittsburgh. So we're thankful that they were there. It was a fun night, and so look out for another one in July, and then in August. And uh, yeah, we'll share more information. But that was super fun. Um, hey, every Tuesday, five to nine, car crews up here on the parking lot. Come on up. It's just a great time. Connect with people, great food, great cars, even better people. And so please come on up every Tuesday, 5 to 9, up here in the parking lot. And then July 12th through the 16th is our VBS uh, Mega Sports Camp, Heart of a Champion. And so please uh, stop by the booth in the lobby, and they will share more information with you. You can also register your child. You can register to serve in the lobby and online. Um, so check out the table or our website for more information, the 12th through the 16th. And then also put on your calendars. Uh, we are having our church picnic on August 1st. We're going to be over at Palmer Park. Yeah, we can think. We can be happy about that. So uh, we're going to be having that, and it's going to be a really sweet time as a church family. And I uh, just encourage you all to just put that on your calendars now. Mark off that date for our church 
picnic. Hey guys, I just want to uh, just uh, bring some attention to, um, you know, we, we lost a saint this week. Uh, Kathy Price uh, passed away this week. And so would you just wrap around uh, Bob Price and his and his boys as they uh, mourn the loss of uh, their wife and their mother. Um, and so I want you guys to know that today uh, is the viewing from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8 over at Kegels here in Finleyville. And then the funeral will be here at church uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow. Um, so just be praying for Bob. But the thing is, as we celebrate Kathy's life, she was a believer, a wonderful lady, and just uh, a blessing to know and served this church faithfully for many years. And many of you have been impacted by Kathy and have served with her. She's a joy. She'll tell you how it is. And uh, so we're thanking God for just the, the, the spiritual legacy that she leaves. So be praying for Bob Price and his family. And uh, 2 to 4, 6 to 8 today over at Kegels, and then 11 a.m. tomorrow here at church for the funeral. Uh, would you guys pray with me as we pray over our offering? God, thank you so much, Lord, for um, just the, the faithfulness of your people, Lord. Um, God, just as many give online through the boxes on the wall or, Lord, through the mail, Lord, we thank you for uh, just the continued just, um, growth that you're showing in our church, Lord. You're, you're growing us in, in powerful ways, and we're thanking you for it, God. As we um, just think about Kathy, Lord, and we think about, um, Lord, Bob and, and, and uh, Bobby and Brad, Lord, we think about them, Lord, as we um, know that we... Um, we lost a saint this week, God. We, we lost um, just a wonderful lady, uh, but Lord, we know she is with you. Uh, she is no longer in pain. She is healed. Uh, Lord, she is with you in glory. And so, God, thank you for that truth, Lord, knowing where she's at. And God, as we um, wrap our arms around the Price family, Lord, now uh, as, a, her, as their church, uh, God, would we uh, be in prayer for them and just support and love them during this time. God, would you... Um, Lord, just grow us as we open up your word, Lord, and as we uh, just hear from you this morning, God, grow us and uh, just make us more like your son, Jesus, God, and thank you that we can do life with a wonderful group of people like this under one banner in the name of Jesus. We ask all things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I I want to encourage you to really, if you can, get down there and give Bob your love and care. You know, Bob and Kath have been part of this church for over 50 years, they were part of the church over at the, at the old church down there in, in library when we were located over there. And Bob comes up here at night and day. Anything that we ever ask, he's always here for us. And so he's fixed the plumbing, the heating. He's fixed every broken pipe, anything that goes wrong around here, he's here. And I see him three, four times a week always up here. Kathy was here. Kathy was on our greeting team. She would hand out bulletins for years. She was part of that wonderful team out there and just faithful and did anything that they could. You know, they, they did communion. They went, before the communion, when we passed the plate down and you had all those little cups, they would fill each one of those little cups. And, you know, that's no fun. And they did that for years. And so we'd say, hey, can you make up 400 cups for a Sunday? No problem. They just did it, and they have been faithful servants. But Bob did thank me for the new way of communion. I just want you to know that. But uh, but but I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to to just love on them. They're a great great family, and uh, we love them. So, uh, as we move into today before the message here, you know it's Father's Day, and I, I just got to share this with you. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I'm standing and I try to go down the ramp sometimes and say hi to everybody. One lady came out and she said, "I just love all your dad jokes." And I was like, what dad jokes? She goes, your jokes. You know, they're dad jokes. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. So uh, so as we go into Father's Day here, before we get into the message, I just I want to show you this little video clip. It's uh, it's just a little lighter side of life, but it, it, it is, uh, it's a dad jokes support group, if you can only imagine, okay? A dad jokes support group. So listen to these dads here. 
Okay, dads, let's go ahead and get started, guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're going to try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight, we've also got a guest with us, David. And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hey, guys. I'm David. David. Hey. How many kids do you have, David? None. At least not at the moment. Uh, my wife is pregnant, and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. Super. Oh, awesome. Who would like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd? Yes. My daughter and I went to the mall, and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. And I said, I don't trust stairs because... They're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Okay. Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Jerry, that joke is dead on arrival. Because it's the last thing I need. David, <laughs> how about you? Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't see this. is a safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it. Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. M-I-S-T. Oh, You're a monster. This is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb. <laughs> I'm going to be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah. So I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. All right. Happy Father's Day. Thank God for your dad this morning. Would you thank God for your dad? Oh, man, I didn't know that I was becoming to that era of dad jokes, you know. I thought it was a tremendous compliment at the ramp. Your dad jokes are so good. And that's like, now I understand what they're talking about. So, anyhow, uh, as, as we jump into our message today, we've been in the series Remarkable. And as we're looking at the remarkable Jesus, we just happen to be, you know, last week we were in Mark chapter 5. We're going to go to the second half of Mark chapter 5 today. We just happen to be looking at a profile of a dad. His name is Jairus. And as you're looking at this guy named Jairus, I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, first of all, he was, a, he was a man who was a ruler of a synagogue. The scriptures tell us that he was a man of great devotion. Uh, this, with, with that position that he had, meant he had a lot of respect. He was a morally respectable person. He was, uh, he was a figure of wealth and social, social prominence. And so this guy really had a lot going for him. 
And as we're going to see, life is about to change for him today. As we jump into this, I want you to catch this because this man Jairus as a dad is going to learn about patience from God. And God teaches us patience and he's going to learn about the patience of God and the patience from God. Um, you know, grant that we may follow the example of Jesus' patience. I'm going to give you this quote this morning from the Book of Common Prayer. This is Thomas Cramner wrote this, and the, the Book of Common Prayer was just a, a little book that was assembled to get people to pray together, and they would use it in their church services. And uh, this particular prayer was written to be prayed around Holy Week, around the week leading up to the uh, Palm Sunday and when Jesus went to the cross. Grant that we may follow the example of Jesus' patience. Does anybody here ever pray for patience? You know? All right. Some of you pray for patience. Every time I pray for patience, I have to wait. Have you noticed that? You know? Lord, I need patience. And then you've got all these things that you need patience for, you know? Um, you, know you, you pray for patience, then you go into, into John Eagle and you have to get in line. You know, and there's 14 people ahead of you and six foot social distancing. That's all the way to the meat counter, all right? So it's just crazy what life does out there. But grant that we may follow the example of Jesus' patience. And I want you to catch here. Jesus had patience. And when we look at this this morning, we're going to find an incredible character of God. Mark chapter 5, verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Verse 22, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came and he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet. They, last week we left off, the disciples were over in the Decapolis, the, uh, the, the region of the Gentiles. And so they get back on the boat and they go back to the other side of the lake. And as they're on the other side of the lake, uh, they come back to Capernaum. And this man, Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, he's got all this esteem. He's uh, morally respectable. He's a figure of wealth, social prominence. And he now is going to come and he's going to get down at the feet of Jesus. And as he does this, we begin to see the profile of a dad here. This dad, while he was morally respectable, while he understood the Jewish faith, remember, Jesus was new on the scene. And so he takes a big step to come and seek after Jesus. And, and what I'm going to say this morning is this, is as I look at this, that was really unusual for somebody to get on their knees in front of Jesus. They were showing that he was a position of authority. Last week, you saw the demons got on their knees. The demon man, possessed man, he got on his knees and put Jesus at a place of authority. Well, now this man, Jairus, comes, and he's an upright man. And so even it with, it with all of his uprightness, he still comes before the Lord, and he gets down on his knees, and Jesus is in a position of authority. You see, Jairus, was, he was a dad that was not ashamed to seek Jesus. And, and I want to encourage you today, in your notes, the very first thing is dads. I want to speak to dads, but I also want to speak to everybody, because it's Father's Day does not mean that the message is only for dads today. The message is for everybody, but specifically I want to encourage dads this morning to, uh, to seek Jesus without fear. Would you read that with me? Seek Jesus without fear. You know, we live in a world... That, uh, that has put so much pressure on you to conform to what somebody else thinks. Follow Jesus without fear. Surrender to Jesus. And I want to encourage us. Men, he did not, Jairus did not send his wife to go get help. He did not send a servant to go get help. 
He did not send somebody else. This man went out himself, and he got in front of Jesus, and he put Jesus at the place of authority. And men, dads out there, I want to encourage you, whenever you take on the role of a father, you also take on the responsibilities that your heavenly father has given you. And our Heavenly Father has given us, listen, the way that He cares for us, that He leads us, He feeds us, He guides us, He protects us. These are the things that we are now in charge to do for our families. As the man, as the head of the household, God is the head of the, as the head of the man, then the man, and the man is called to lead, and we see that over in 1 Corinthians. I want to encourage you here, folks. Fathers, Ephesians 6.4 give us an important verse here. Ephesians 6.4, Paul said this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. As dads, that's a challenge for us, isn't it? That's why God told us, don't provoke. I think it's easy to provoke, isn't it? It's easy as a dad to just pick on the kids all the time, and they can never do anything right, and it's not done the right way. It's not done your way, and, and they failed, and they did this. It's so easy for that to happen. But the Apostle Paul says, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. The way we treat our families is so important. And, and, and I realize today we're looking... I want you to take all this application and apply it to today. You can't look back at yesterday and say, well, if only I would have, if I would have. No, God is speaking to you today. And as God is speaking to you, I want you to take this and grow and learn from it. Fathers, I have adult children. Fathers, this dad, do not provoke your adult children to anger by the way you treat them. You have a five-year-old. Do not provoke your five-year-old to anger by the way that you treat them. You know, as a child grows, they go through different phases, and, and pretty soon they become an adult, and, and it happens quicker than you think. And your, your kid gets a 16, he gets to be 16, and you want to still treat him like he's four. He has a driver's license, and you want to protect him more, right? Because when they get that driver's license, we know what happens out there. We know it's ugly. We know that, you know, that, you know, you got to put GPS on the tailpipe of that car. You got to find out where they're at all the time, right? And so what you have to do is as the kids grow, you begin to understand that you're not, you're not the parent of a four-year-old. You're now the parent of a 20-year-old. And you're the parent of a 25-year-old. And my poor mom, she's the parent of a 53-year-old. God bless her, man. Geritol, she's taking it, man. It's good. Listen, I want you to know, he says, don't provoke the children. However, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we are to discipline our children. Oh, that's something we don't hear today. The world that we live in today says, oh, just as long as they're happy. No, no, no. We have to give them the instruction. This is the way that the Lord says to walk. This is, God says, to let go of your anger. Like of your bitterness, walk this way in the ways of the Lord. Instruct them. And, and I have found that as you're an adult now, and you, like for me, I have adult children, I'm, I'm the, the adult coach dad. Like, actually, I'm the advice dad when they want it, dad, right? It's like, dad, tell me what you think. Okay, don't tell me what you think. I didn't like what you said. You know, well, then why'd you ask me? Right. So and, and you go through this. And, and so what you do is you don't provoke your children. You encourage them and you help them to see the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so how do we do this? I want, dads, I want to give you this today. And, and if you're a man in this room, I want you to take notes. 
um, whether, whether you don't have children yet, um, you'll be a dad someday, likely, um, or your children are, are grown and you have grandchildren and great-grandchildren because all these are applicable to our families. Here's what we do. Number one, we've got to show interest in our kids. We have to take our kids and pay attention to them. They need to know that they are important and that, that I am interested in my kids. I'll never forget when I was in high school, uh, one of my... Uh, one of the things that it was a, it was a, created a real argument between me and my dad. Um, I just looked at him one day and I said, you're not interested in anything I do. And, you know, my dad brought that up to me many years later. Um, and, and would, you know, we would talk about that a lot because there was a point there where like he was pretty involved in his world and I was pretty involved in my world. But the difference was I was 15. And so I needed my dad to be to pay attention to me. And so I want to encourage you, listen, you're, as a dad, sacrifice. Do whatever it takes to, to show interest in your kids. Um, talk with them. We have to talk with them. We, we don't just dictate. Listen, we're here to lead our homes, not to dictate our homes. And lead means we lead by example. And so we get down there and we talk with our children. Now, this doesn't mean that we ask them their opinion. Do you think you ought to do this today? This means that we're leading them and we talk with them. And so we have an exchange. And as these children become adults, we still talk with them. And the, and the talk changes, but we talk. We protect them. Dads, man, this is your job. We protect our families. I think we have it there on the screen. We protect our families, all right? Here, I'll tap the button. We protect our families. We encourage them. We encourage them. We protect them. We discipline them with love, okay? We come along and we, we discipline, uh, discipline them. Um, to discipline with love is it's not just getting the job done. It is to really be thinking about their life and how I'm caring for them. And, yes, I want my kids to get to, to the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. I'm not disciplining them because of my reputation. You don't discipline them because of what you feel or what you think, but because of what God said. Like, this is the way. And and God has the instruction manual. And follow the ways of the Lord. So discipline them with love. Uh, Be there with them. Just, Just be present. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's a big part of life. And I'm finding more and more with people is just, just to be there, just, just to spend time. Pray with them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Um, and still in them a strong faith. Ask God to help you. Like as a dad, you have to ask God to help you. I, I didn't know what I was doing when I had kids. Man, I was a youth pastor. We got married, me and my wife. And all of a sudden comes along a little crease. And you're like... You know, I'll never forget, we took her home, and I was like, what are we doing? I was scared to death. I, we put her in the, in, the, in the crib, and I went in, I checked on her to see if she's still breathing. I did that for a couple months. I was like, Lord, I need your help. I have no clue how to be a dad. And, and then, then, you know, God just, he continues to help you. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So, so we're called, as dads, go ask God for help. And listen, he will give you help. He will give you strength. Some of you are new dads. Some of you are about ready to be a dad. Some of you are granddads. Use all these principles. And, and let our children see this. Here's three things if we let our children see. Because I believe that Jairus, as, as you're looking at Jairus this morning, um, this is what his daughter saw. His daughter, his wife saw that he was committed to God. You know, let, let your family see that you're committed to God. Uh, being here this morning, 
shows your commitment. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to church. It's a, a place of faithful. You're showing up and saying, this is sacrifice. I'm doing this because it's important that I grow in my faith, that I grow in community of believers. I, so God is important. Number two, that you're committed to your spouse, committed to your marriage. Man, don't let anybody uh, protect your wife. Men out there, protect your wives. Um, God says that he's called you to lead, feed, guide, and protect. So you protect your wife. You lead your wife. You guide her. And you see, this doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional. I have to be an intentional man of God. I have to get up every day and say, I am going to lead my family. I do not dictate my family. I lead my family. And so it's a part of who we are. And then thirdly, show your commitment to your kids. Now, this does not mean that we're with them 24-7. It's impossible to do that, especially the older that they grow. But show that you are committed to them and that, that they are important, what they, what's happening in their life. You care for them whenever they're hurt. You rejoice with them when they rejoice. And you are their dad. And I want to encourage us, guys, as we see this. I, I'm looking as I'm reading this and like, man, I could just easily pass over this verse and said, well, Jairus laid at the feet of Jesus. And I see that, wow, here's, here's so much important here. This guy was a man of God. And now he comes and he takes, he's not just a moral character, guys. He now sees Jesus and he puts Jesus as number one. And he does it by getting on his knees in front of everybody. And he puts God in, at the place of authority. When God is at the place of authority, it changes everything about you. He was desperate. Desperation creates humility. Did you ever notice that? When you get desperate, you become humble. And this man was desperate, and he became humble. Follow God without fear, men. Lead your family. Stand up and don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks out there. The world is going to hold you back by making you think that you are weak. Listen, you're not weak. Dependence on God is the greatest form of strength that you'll ever find. That's not weakness. This is the greatest strength. So when you come and you depend on God, that's what this man did. He said, my daughter is dying. I have all the money. I have all the prestige. With that meant he had all the local town doctors looked at her. Everything was taken care of. He even had the God connection. But now he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to get the Jesus connection. And he puts Jesus at the number one. So he came to him. He got on his knees. Verse 23. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little child or my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Please come and heal my daughter. He says it here. And the Greek is, is written literally. If you don't come, my daughter is going to die. Uh, th- this, is, this is a terrible, terrible place of suffering. If you don't come, my daughter is going to die. So what happens? Jesus went with him. Verse 24. Jesus went with him. And so at this moment, Jairus has hope. Jairus is like, okay, if we can just get Jesus back in time, my daughter, listen, they all told me there's no hope. If I can just get back in time, she's going to make it. Everything's going to be all right. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed him and pressed around him. As the large crowd follows him, a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She's in the crowd. So everywhere Jesus went, there's pushing, there's shoving, there's this crowd following him, this mob. And so Jairus is excited. He has a little bit of hope. But as he gets on the journey, all this crowd comes. And then John Mark, he's giving you the background here. He says, listen, this is, remember, this is through the eyes of Peter. Peter's given us the, the eyewitness account. This woman was in the crowd. She had this issue of bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal underneath the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Instead of getting better, this girl gets worse and she, she, uh, she, she loses everything. In other words, she, the, uh, the, the disease was suffering and the cure was suffering. She suffered from the disease. She suffered from the cure. She spent everything. She paid every doctor. She, 12 years. And this issue of blood was, uh, it was a female issue. She had, uh, she had menstruating problems and the menstruating bleeding that, that was a, a daily bleeding for years. And so she went through this issue of blood for 12 years. If you go into the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see that this made her unclean. She had blood. And so during the, um, uh, this was a health code, during the time of the, of the blood, it was unclean. And so she had a 12 years of unclean. Day in and day out. You can only imagine the emotional, tor- emotional torture she was going through, the emotional pain that she was suffering, the physical pain that she was suffering, the humility. She was outcast. In that society, everybody would know that she had this problem. And so for her to come up and to get into this crowd was a big deal. She is looking after Jesus. So, so, um, so, so look what she says here. When she, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, his outer garment, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I could just touch him. And so, so she, this crowd, people are pushing and shoving and she, and look what Jesus does. Jesus says immediately, uh, Mark's telling us here, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. At once, Jesus, next verse, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Uh, immediately the, the, she was healed, like she, she touched his garment and that's it. And, and so she, she immediately was healed and, and, and it's like, wow, this is a big change in her life. And Jesus feels the power that comes right out of him. Now, I want you to catch this. The word power there is a Greek word. This is in your notes. You can fill in the blanks. The Greek word is dunamis, all right? It's from where we get the English word dynamite. So you could have, you could have translated it, the dynamite came out of him, right? But it wouldn't make sense. So, so when you understand the power, that's the kind of power. Now, men, we love power, don't we? When you go to Lowe's, what do you go look at? Power tools, don't you? That's exactly right. You know, us men, we're not going to smell no lavender candles. Uh-uh. I, no, 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 no. I want power. I want raw power. I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm not buying the... Uh, I'm not buying the, 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 the cheapest weed whacker that you can find, right? If I'm going to buy it, I might as well buy the best one. I'm going to go buy the lawnmower that's got all the power. You know, I want a chainsaw and I have nothing to cut. I just want the power, you know. <laughs> you, know you get happy about that. Listen, guys, if you want power, it's in the person of Jesus. That's it. 
Men, I want to take you to that. Um, you know, t- this morning we had out there, and some of you saw it as you were coming in there, a big truck out there. Rick Lawson had his big 15-ton dump truck. I mean, it's gigantic and blowing the horn, lifting it up for us. Yeah, it's a symbol of power. But I'll tell you what, the greatest power in all the world comes from Jesus. And you, dads, moms, single people, children, everyone has access to that power. That's what he's given you. You have access to that power. And so when you start a relationship with Jesus, you now have access to the power of God Almighty. I want to take you to that relationship with him. Um, Jesus turned around. Check this out. He turned around. Next verse. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Hey, who, who touched my clothes? And look what the disciples said. You see this people crowding against you, his disciples said, and yet you can ask, who touched me? What what do you mean you're asking who touched me? There's too many people here. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then this woman comes forward, knowing what happened to her. She came and fell at his feet. Hmm. We see another position of authority. This woman falls at the feet of Jesus, trembling with fear isn't that interesting she she was healed but she was trembling with fear she told the whole truth in other words she told the whole story well it all started 12 years ago i started bleeding and i couldn't stop bleeding and then i began to get really weak and it messed with my energy levels and then i'm fatigued and and, and, and I just have all these problems now. And, and not only do I have the bleeding, but all these things because of the bleeding, because all this happened to me, and, and I'm just worn out. And, 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 you know, and, and I just, all I knew is if I could just get close, and if I could just touch him, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be okay. And, 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 and I came into the crowd, and, and, and I couldn't believe it. Jesus came walking down my street today. And so she tells the whole story. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Like, like something bigger happened to her here. Did you catch that? There, there, not only was she healed from the issue of blood, she was healed from the eternal issue. She is now secure in Jesus Christ. She now has a home in heaven. Her sins have been forgiven. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And so she got more than she bargained for. She just wanted to get healed. And, and God, God pulls her out. And, and, but what happens here? I want you to catch this because this is Jairus. And, and, and Mark's giving us in a sandwich form. He talks about Jairus. He goes to this lady. And then he comes back and talks about Jairus. So think about this. Here's Jairus. Wouldn't you be pretty disappointed right now? Wait a minute. Jesus, I left everything. I came to you. You said yes. You said you would come. And I thought we had enough time. Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? This makes no sense to me. And so, so he's filled with anxiety. The disciples are irritated. Oh, here we go again. Somebody touched him again. You know, could you imagine how often this happened to Jesus? You know, not again. Um, Jesus patient. Jesus is patient, and he's filled with composure. He, he, he's got this all under control. Jesus knows what he's doing. And, and I want to encourage you today that God always knows what he's doing, folks. I don't. You don't. 
God always knows what he's doing. You look at your life and you look at the problems that you're facing. God always knows what he's doing. You know, it, we call Jesus the great physician. And so here's the great physician. He bypasses a little girl that's dying and goes to a lady who has had a disease for 12 years. In modern day, if you had a physician in an emergency room, you'd call that malpractice. That's what Jairus was feeling. And look what happens here. He comes in, and, uh, and I, I want you to catch this, because Jesus will not be hurried. Jesus cannot be hurried. He has a timetable, and the way that he works is different than the way that you and I work. We don't understand what he's doing. He tells this girl, your faith has made you heal. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jairus was still speaking, uh, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Folks, I think that's right where many of us stop. Many of us say, well, God, what would you do? I, I can't comprehend this. And why bother you anymore? And I'll tell you what, that's a very scary spot to be in. And I want to encourage you today to, to keep coming back to Jesus. Because Jesus does something that's really powerful here. I love what Jesus does here. Verse 36 says, ignoring what they said. I love that. <laughs> Jesus always knows there's opposition. He says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. You know what he's saying? Trust me. Don't be afraid. Trust me. You've, uh, you've just lost your daughter. Don't be afraid. Just trust me. I, I know what I'm doing. And I went, I, I'm overwhelmed by this. You know, we, we don't understand God's timing. People come from different cultures don't understand each other's timing, do we? Like, you know, many of my friends from South America, they, they don't live on a clock at all. You know, if you tell them 6 o'clock, they're there by 7. They're very happy. You know, and then when, they, when I get there, I say, hey, you're an hour late. They say, oh, no problem, brother, you know. So I want you to imagine somebody from our culture marries somebody from their culture, and it's their wedding day. And on their wedding day, the bride is an hour late. And the guy from this culture is like, oh, and all, all, all the people from our culture are like sweating and angry, like, oh, how'd she stand him up? Then she comes walking in the door. Okay, my honey. She's all happy. You see, we don't understand God's timing. God's sense of timing will always confound our timing. It will always confound our timing. We will never be able to put it together. His grace rarely operates on our schedule. The grace of God, the way he operates, and his grace is abundant. It's abounding, but it's not on my schedule. You know, when Jesus looks at Jairus, it's as if he's saying, just trust me, be patient. But it's also like he's looking over Jairus' head to you and to me. And he's saying, remember how whenever I calmed the storm, I showed you that my grace and my love are compatible with going through storms, even though you didn't think so. Now I'm telling you that my grace and my love are compatible with what seems to you to be unconscionable delays. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Uh, it is not, I will be hurried even though I love you. See, you can't hurry him. 
It is this. I will not be hurried because I love you. What? You let my daughter die. I will not be hurried because I love you. Because God himself says, I know what I'm doing. And if you try to impose your understanding of schedule and timing on me, you will struggle to feel loved. You will struggle with that. Jesus will not be hurried, and as a result, we often feel exactly just like Jairus. And you see, he says, I will not be hurried because I love you, because God has information that you're not privy to. There's things that you don't know. You're not God. You say, if only we would have done this, my relative would have been here. If only this would have happened, if only that. And then you don't know what else was going to happen. You don't know the other events that would have happened. You don't know the other terrible things that God has protected you from. In the meantime, all you can see is the terrible thing that you're going through. And God says, I will not be hurried because I love you. And so this man, it looked like the end. This, this girl had died. And verse 37, uh, verse 38, he, uh, verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter. James and John and the brother of James. So he, he's got the whole crowd. Now he says, okay, I'm just taking my Titus three. There, there, were, there were the 12 disciples, and then the three he was closest with were Peter, James, and John. And then you also see that John, him and John were actually Titus, the beloved, beloved John. So Peter, James, and John, they go with him, with Jairus, and they kind of get away from the crowd. And, uh, and he says here, when, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion. The people were crying and wailing loudly. In the Jewish culture, when somebody died, they would just have, they would wail. It would be this loud mourning, loud crying and just sobbing. And they, you would even pay professional mourners. You would pay people to come. Like, like you would hire a caterer, you would hire people to come and cry. And so people would come and cry. And so they saw all this, this hiring, uh, all, the, all this people going on here. Look what happens there. Verse 30, 39. Uh, he went into them and said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but he is asleep. <laughs> the child's not dead. He's asleep. And look what happens. Look how they respond to him. They laughed at him. You would too. Because you know what a dead person you know how dead part, they knew this kid was dead. And Jesus was uh, away, the, the girl died, he didn't get back in time, uh, but, but they laughed at him. And, and so here's what he did, he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother, and the three disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. So he goes into the little kid's bedroom, and, uh, and he gets down, he took her by the hand, and he says to her, Talitha Kaum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And he tells the little girl to rise up, and verse 42 says, immediately, I love Mark's favorite word, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. That's exactly the same amount of years that the woman that Jesus stopped and healed, she dealt with her disease for 12 years. 
Jesus comes over and he raises this little girl. And at this, they were completely astonished. And so what does Jesus do? He says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, verse 43. He says he gave them strict orders. Don't tell anyone about this. And he told them not to give her. Uh, and he told them to give her something to eat. So I was like, hey, I don't want you to go in public with this yet. Because Jesus did one of the greatest miracles that he had done. And later on, you're going to see he's going to rise somebody from the dead. And it's going to create pandemonium. But he rises this girl from the dead, and as she rises from the dead, um, hey, give her something to eat, but I don't want anybody to know about this. I, I'm just, I just want you to know that I keep my promises. You see, folks, God keeps his promises. When you go to Jesus, now check this out. When you go to Jesus for help, you will both give to him and get far more from him than you bargained for. You see, Jairus came and he bargained, if I could just have enough faith to get him, get you here, then my daughter will be healed. And that was the bargain that he was going in for. But as he goes in, Jesus says, you're going to give much more. I'm going to grow your faith. We're going to be delayed. There's this lady out here. She just touched me and I got to go to, I got to deal with this. And so Jesus, uh, for the lady, I want you to catch this, for the lady who was sick, who had the issue of blood, she, uh, she had to give more. She thought, if I just touch his garment, it was kind of superstitious. Yeah, we have a lot of superstitions today, don't we? If I do this and that, you know. If I eat this while the Steelers play, they're going to win. You know, that hasn't helped too much. Anything for the Pirates. Not, there's no... Nothing like that, right? Uh, listen, there's all these superstitions. And so hers was, if I just do this, I'll be all right. It's like rubbing the magic genie lamp. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're going to give more today. And, and so she comes up and she gives more. Because what happened was, if she, she was unclean, for the unclean to come up and touch a rabbi in public was taboo. She would have been scoffed. At by everybody. So when she comes forth, now can you imagine? You know, you, when you were a kid, and you were you were in school, and somebody did something, and the teacher said, "Okay, who did it? Who did it?" And you're all like, "Okay, maybe the teacher will forget." And you know, you did it. Well, maybe I was the only one who did it. You know what I mean? And, and you did it. And you're like, "Okay, okay." And then the teacher kind of says, "Okay, we'll come back tomorrow," and the teacher forgets. Well, Jesus is walking around like that. He says, "Who touched me?" Who touched me? Who touched me? It wasn't like she came up running, I've been healed. It was after many minutes of him stopping the crowd. She comes up and says, here's what happened. And when she did that, she put everything on the line. Her sacrifice was her reputation, this crowd. Her whole life was on the line. But you see, Jesus gave her far more. Not only was she healed of the blood, she was now healed of an eternal problem. She had her sins forgiven. She had a whole new life. She was no longer not just having a blood issue. She was no longer unclean. She was made whole. She was made cleansed by God. And so when we come to God, he gives us more. Uh, and he's going to ask you to give more. And so a, as you do that, I, w- I want to encourage you to understand that. Because that, that lady, she thought the power of God was manageable. If I do this, then God does this. And God's power is not manageable. It's dynamite. You cannot manage dynamite. And so you come to him, and God says, listen, I want you to do this. She thought it was manageable, but it was not. When you go to Jesus for help, you get far more than you had in mind. 
you will get far more, exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think, Ephesians 3.20. You get so much more. And so as you're looking at life, sometimes you say, wow, I, I don't think I'm, I don't understand. I want to encourage you, keep following Jesus. Keep getting on your knees and putting him at the place of authority. Lastly, in your notes, Jairus let Jesus into his home. And I want to encourage you, let Jesus and his power into your home. You know, quite often we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus, and that is so important that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. Nobody else can stand before God for you. That is you and God. You must make a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus made it possible through the cross. You come to him in humility, put him at the place of authority, and then he will continue to lead you and to guide you. Let Jesus into your home now. Let his power into your home. I think there are many homes that need the dynamite of Jesus. They absolutely do. And dads, on Father's Day, I want to encourage you. Lead your family. Do not dictate, but lead. Stand up, thus says the Lord. Let Jesus in. Jesus is welcome here. We're going to welcome Jesus by dad being the leader of the house and saying that Jesus is important. Therefore, we will pray over our meals. Therefore, we will be in church. Therefore, we will learn to forgive. Therefore, therefore, we look at who Jesus is. And men, I want to encourage you, you may not have been doing this. Start today. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Start today. Because God will use it as you lead. Uh, nothing. The, the, you know what this world needs more than anything right now? Is men who will stand up for Jesus and lead and say, Thus saith the Lord. Your wife needs you to do this. She may resist sometimes. It's okay. You know, resistance is part of the plan. It's part of the deal. I call it negotiation every time, every now and then, you know. We have to have a talk. Well, let me tell you, we've got to lead our families. And sometimes there comes a time when dad just has to say, hey, this is where we're going. We're going to God. And I want to encourage you, let's go to God. And, and you may not be a dad. You may be single. You may be a dad-to-be. You may be a, uh, a, a female here today. You may be a, uh, a child. Listen, every one of us, let's go home and lead to Jesus. We have to lead. We have to take ourselves to Christ and then those around us. And as we come to Christ, we let that power in. It will transform your life. It will transform your home. Instead, you know what we do? We typically lean back and we let whatever's on TV transform us. Netflix, Hulu, whatever. We let it transform us. And what it does, it transforms us away from God. Moms out there, grandmothers, granddads, dads, listen. We have a tremendous opportunity, tremendous responsibility. Our kids, we're only on this earth for a short time. I think about it more and more. Kathy Price suddenly passed away this week. She was here last Sunday greeting people, talking to people. She suffered a lot this year. Just suddenly gone. You know, I was sitting with her husband, Bob, and with her two kids this week, her sons. The things that she said is what they have. The things that she did, her legacy, 
And I want to encourage you today as we live this life, as we lead our homes and lead our families, I only have one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And as I come into that, I've got to remember verses like Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those they labor in vain who build it. And we'll put that scripture up there. Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. God has to build my family. And he doesn't do it by me just sitting there hoping that it happens. And he does it by, by your hands and by your mouth, by your feet, by your actions. You are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, listen, I can't be with my kids 24-7. When they were 5, I couldn't do it. And when they're 25, I can't do it. I, I just have to be there. i got to do what I can. I love them. I care for them. And, listen, God picks up the rest where you fail. And it's okay. But I've got to come and let the Lord build my house. And I love what Joshua said. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Uh, all the people were turning away from God. And Joshua stood up and he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, your family is so important. I dare say it's the most important thing to you. You have God and then you have your family. And I'll tell you what, they will never remember the toys that you bought for them. Think about it. Do you remember what you got for Christmas when you were 12? Not too many of us do. I do because it was an evil Knievel bike. <laughs> but I don't remember what I got when I was 10 or 11. But I'll tell you what. You know what I remember? I remember the things that they said, the things that they instilled into my heart. And you have the same opportunity. Let's go out and and take on the position that Jairus did on his knees. And Jesus says, trust me. Will you trust him today? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Christ. Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin. He he made eternal life for you. He says, I know that you can't get to God on your own. Therefore, I want you to trust me I was the perfect sacrifice the father sent me wow the father it's father's day your heavenly father sent his own son Jesus to the cross to pay for your sin and he says I want you to trust me place your faith in me that I rose from the dead so today I ask you Place your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You don't have to be a good person. No, you don't have to change. No. Listen, God will do all that. You don't have to change to come to Christ. Come to Christ, and he will take care of everything. Today, on this Father's Day, would you open your heart to Jesus and just pray something like this. Just pray, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my heart and my soul right here, right now. God, I thank you for loving me. And I ask you to hold my hand every step of the way. And for others here this morning, maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe you don't understand his timing. Maybe you're having trouble 
He says, just trust me. What else are you going to trust? You're going to trust your wisdom. You're going to trust your houses, your land, your finances, your job, your abilities. Or you're going to trust the eternal King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's a lot about life I don't understand either. There's a lot I don't understand about the hand of God, about his timing, about the ways in which he works. But I want to take you to trust him. And when you trust him, you don't have to understand everything. You have to trust him. So right now, would you just take, we'll just end with a moment of quietness. Would you just respond to God and say, God, I, I'm going to trust you. i got so many questions. i got hurt. i got pain. i got tears. i got anger. i got it all. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I ask you to help me through this. Father God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done here today, Lord. God, as we look into your word, we are just overwhelmed. We're thrilled at the character of God that we see. We see this powerful God. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in our homes. Lord, um, we all have families. We all have a scope of influence, Lord. Whether our kids are grown and live with us or they're grown and don't live with us or they're little or or their kids are on the way. God, we have an opportunity to lead people to Jesus. These precious little souls, we call them children. Our precious spouse, our family, our extended family. God, help us to lead them to Christ. That they may see the good hand of God. To know that you are always good. You're always good. Sometimes I'm hurt. Sometimes I'm in pain. But you're always good. You're always good. Lord, be with your people today. As we walk out of this place. As we celebrate dads, as we celebrate our dad and the dads in our lives, God, God, use us for your eternal glory. God, transform all of us today, those online and those here in the auditorium. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Aren't you glad to be here? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve today, folks. Have a great Father's Day, and we will see you next week. All creation, you made it all. I'm just dreaming in this empty room, but my thoughts are gone, because I'm in
Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. 